0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. My San Diego Padres are taking on the Dodgers. We've got Braves Phillies, Mariners Astros, Cleveland and New York. All of the playoff action is here and Bet Online has you covered with all the props, parlays, odds and promos for this week's action. Head over to BetOnline and use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to get a 100% welcome bonus. That's right, 100% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live, because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. It is October 11th according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening We have got a fantabulous couple of shows coming at you over the next few days because normally when we call on these podcasts, we we like to do long-form conversations, long-form topics, usually with research or our longer dives into bigger topics, and we're going to do that this week, and we're going to do that with a whole bunch of guests that come on the show. This week for me happens to overlap with... Shall we say, like, the three to four weeks out of the year that I get really, really invested in live sporting events and covering live sporting events, this happens to me every now and again, where you know that feeling as a sports fan where you get really excited about a game and you pregame for it, you look forward to it all week. Um, sometimes we do this every week and we, and we find a game each week that we get excited about. Some people got this way about Bengals and Ravens and we're, we're watching pregame for 40 minutes and doing all the numbers crunching on Bengals, Ravens on Sunday. Um, but for me, I only do it for a few times a year. Do I really get up? for big time sporting events. We did it earlier in the year with the Bills and the Rams on the opening night game. Uh, little did we know the Los Angeles Rams would be a broken shell of themselves, specifically Matthew Stafford. and the Rams would actually be kind of an average football team this year, like one of those teams that's fighting for wild card positioning. I didn't think that would be the case at the start of the season. We got really excited for Bills-Rams. We did Bills-Rams pregame and Bills-Rams postgame, and it was the first game of the season. Uh, I did this for two days when the Padres traded for Juan Soto, of course my personal connection to San Diego. We do it for the NBA Finals. Uh, every NBA Finals game we had a postgame after it happened. It's very much like X's and O's sports-driven analysis that I get really invested in the games. I watch the games, I do the analysis, and we talk about it after the fact. And This week happens to have two of those moments for myself at the same time. The Bills play the Chiefs. It's Bills-Chiefs week, which is, I'm going to say, the highest quality of football that has been played. The highest quality of NFL football, really football anywhere because it's higher quality than college. The highest quality of football since the last playoff game where Buffalo played Kansas City. Because last year, Buffalo and Kansas City were the two best teams in the NFL. This year, Buffalo and Kansas City are the two best teams in the NFL. This year, Buffalo's even better than last year's team, which is really remarkable. And by the way, Kansas City went down 17-0 on Monday night against the Las Vegas Raiders, and they closed that gap to nothing. They took the lead 15 minutes After they went down seventeen nothing, and it should have only taken them nine because of the Chris Jones strip sack that was called roughing the passer, that got everyone outraged on Twitter the same way they got outraged about Grady Jarrett and Tom Brady on Sunday. Buffalo and Kansas City are the two best teams in the NFL. They are the two highest quality of offense and of offensive football that you're going to watch anywhere, and that's a game that is must watch on Sunday. And of course, I have my allegiances to Mahomes and my belief of in the just absolute absurdity of the Buffalo Bills as you've heard me talk about every week on our NFL Monday podcast it seems like even after losing to Miami even after that crazy game against Baltimore every week i just come on and talk about how amazing the buffalo offense is And Bills Chiefs is a game that I'm really excited about, and you're going to hear me preview and talk about the context between those two teams in all sorts of different ways, because it's one of those games that I get excited about, like playoff Bills Chiefs and like the NBA Finals and like that Bills Rams game to start the season. It is the highest quality football that you are going to watch during this season. And it's also secondary to Padres playoff week because I am a born and raised San Diego Padres fan. San Diego sports curse lives on forever. We've talked about this many times before, and I've talked about how rooting for San Diego sports is a connection to a hometown that I have left behind, moved on with in my life. And regional pride is very much a thing that I think people invest way too much of their emotional stability into sports, especially colleges that they didn't even attend like college football tends to do. And I have that allegiance to the Padres because I spent my childhood investing and in loving that team that I could go, you know, drive 20 minutes to with my with my dad and go watch a baseball game and all that rah-rah stuff that emotional connections are made to, and I don't want to give that up entirely. I love the San Diego Padres. They're my favorite team. They're really the only team I root for in, in, in terms of putting blind faith in laundry in this sport that I have treated like a job and can be analytical and cunning and and do analysis on. At the same time, I still have that emotional connection to San Diego. It has a connection to the place I come from, and it brings me the emotional joy of sports that I still connect to uh, and is part of what motivates me to want to build a career in sports like I'm doing. And so because it's Padres playoff week we're going to be kind of annoying about the Padres. You've already heard me talk about it on Friday's episode where I soapboxed for 30 minutes about the Padres. We did a YouTube live show that ended up being wired up 125 watching the Padres on Sunday. We talked about Joe Musgrove and the regional pride rah-rah stuff that happened after they beat the Mets on Monday. And today we're going to talk to the king of Padres Twitter, Ryan Cohen, here on the show. Make that three consecutive full Padres podcasts and technically four if you want to count the first segment we did on Monday following the Padres beating the Mets in the wild card and setting up a series against the hated Los Angeles Dodgers who you're going to hear me and Ryan talk about growing up when the Padres didn't make the playoffs you just rooted for the Dodgers to miss and I think it's really really cool that we are in this situation where Ryan and I get to have a playoff series in Los Angeles and home games in San Diego that we can get excited about, and you're going to hear us do the rah-rah regional pride stuff here on the show today. Bill's Chiefs week is a big deal as well, and it's actual analysis that I'm sure uh, you will enjoy hearing me talk about way too much over the next few days, but at the same time, Padres take first priority. It's my emotional connection, it's the team that I care about, and we are going to dive head-on into talking about the San Diego Padres, because we have the King of Padres Twitter always available at the drop of the hat to talk to us about regional pride and San Diego and baseball and all of the feel-good emotional stuff that you've been hearing me pour out over the past four days here on this show. So let us welcome the King of Padres Twitter, Ryan Cohen, with a bit that I think we might have made after the last time he came on, which is our Star Wars... National League baseball parody where we have the rebels of San Diego trying to take down the Holy Dodger Empire and uh, Lord Cohen and his Met Army have, uh, or sorry, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens have fallen by the wayside because the rebellion uh, of the San Diego resistance had to, uh, unfortunately, take them out to get their crack at the Holy Dodger Empire. And also, the Mets just kind of blew it against the Braves. But you know what? The Braves will probably beat the Phillies. And then they'll go to the NLCS. And if the Padres and their resistance can't defeat the Holy Dodger Empire, then perhaps it's time for Atlanta to once again make a stand against the tyranny of the evil Los Angeles Dodger Empire. Episode 4 the Holy Dodger Empire continues their reign over the West. In previous years, the Holy Dodger Empire dismantled the once great Royal Cardinals, establishing a new power within the galaxy. The Holy Dodger Empire defeated the Royal Cardinals, invaded the mill of Waukee, and vanquished the 107-win giants. In the meantime, the Holy Dodger Empire pillaged both the Purple Rockies and the Backs of Diamond in Arizona. These invasions increase the Empire's wealth tenfold. Their resources are unmatched. Their power is unquestioned. With the West and the Central firmly in control, the Holy Dodger Empire sets their sights on a new conquest, the Eastern Empire State. If the Holy Dodger Empire defeats Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, there will be nothing left to stop them from conquering the galaxy. To the south, a small resistance forms in San Diego. While outnumbered and out-resourced, the resistance fights for their very existence against the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. It's a changing time in the galaxy. The once great Imperial Nationals of Washington have fallen. Years earlier, the Imperial Nationals once defeated the Holy Dodger Empire at the Battle of Strasbourg. Now, they find themselves bankrupt and selling pieces to the highest bidder. In this collapse, the Holy Dodger Empire captured a great captain known as Mad Max, who helped strengthen the Holy Dodger Empire's hold on the galaxy. However, Mad Max has escaped and defected to Master Cohen and the Met Army of Queens. He will spend whatever years he has left fighting to dismantle the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. And now, the legendary Imperial Captain Juan Soto has joined the Resistance after paying his debt to Kara the Hutt. To San Diego, Captain Juan Soto brings with him the Imperial National's mighty Josh Bell. Joining Captain Soto is Lord Hayter, the supreme closer of the Mill of Waukee, called to fight by the message of the Resistance and the possibility of bringing balance to the Force. The Resistance has paid a heavy price, yet they have never been closer to defeating the Holy Dodger Empire. All right, everybody, I am super duper excited to tell you about andcaller.com. You know how I always say support our dreams on the show? AnnCollar is literally supporting our dreams. They are covering expenses for Blake Jude and I to meet up in Salt Lake City and watch Arizona play Utah. This road trip was a joke that Blake Jude and I came up with back in August. And thanks to andcaller, it's actually going to happen. If you go to andcollar.com, and there's a link in the description to this episode, you can shop all of your wardrobe needs. They've got shirts, polos, blazers, pants, socks, and more. My new wardrobe is coming in this week. Super excited about that. For our listeners, andcollar is offering two promotions for you. Two promotions. Number one, all orders over $100. Andcollar is going to cover the shipping. $10 to $15 free. They'll cover the cost. And two... Any orders of $40 or more will get a free tie when you use our promo code EASY. That's E-A-S-Y with the link in this episode at andcaller.com. That's andcaller.com. Support our dreams by supporting the people who are helping making those dreams possible. Woo, Cronenworth-, Cronenworth, I love it. I, I got to be honest. I think that's the first time I've seen a Jake Cronenworth jersey. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I know anyone else who has a Jake Cronenworth jersey.
1: I got this the day that he made the, like in 2020, the day he made the jumping catch when he was replacing Hosmer. He was like, I like this guy. I'm getting his jersey. And now he's like a stud, you know, all-star or whatever. And he's rocking it all the time. Crone's down.
0: Dude, that's a good one to have because I mean... He's one of those dudes, I mean, it's cool that you got it even before the Crone Zone hype popped off because like he was just a throw-in player originally in a trade and then to turn into stud second baseman who went over 13 in the wild card, but still stud second baseman. That's awesome.
1: Maybe it's for the Dolores, baby.
0: Uh, all right, we've got uh, King of Padres Twitter, Ryan Cohen, joining us again so that we can just nerd out about the fact that the Padres are playing the Dodgers in the division series this week. They beat the Mets, San Diego's own Joe Musgrove with, according to some metrics, the greatest postseason closeout game on the road ever. And, oh, it's so good, man. It's So good.
1: I don't... I mean, you you had faith in Joe, of course, and he's, he's had some big games, and I, I didn't doubt him, but I don't think anyone saw that coming, where it was just complete and utter dominance to the point they accused him of cheating. And it didn't matter... And he went out there and shut him down the next two innings too. And he, that's our guy. You know, if anyone knows the struggles of being a Padres fan, it's like if you or I had a ton of Major League Baseball talent and could pitch at that level. And that's what it feels like. I feel like I'm watching myself, but really good at baseball out on the mound.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of what regional pride does for baseball sometimes. Because we got the one guy on the team who's from San Diego and like Grand Marshall's the Holiday Bowl parade and like, He's the guy that everyone kind of rallies around because it's San Diego. And sometimes there's that, that pride, that regional pride that comes from specifically baseball, but also just the only team that exists in San Diego.
1: Yeah. I mean, San Diego has pride for their athletes that play on other teams. Like when Musgrove was a pirate, even an Astro, I was like, yeah, man, like that guy's from San Diego. I feel that way about all sorts of dudes around the league. Connor Joe, you know, guy in the Rockies can't stand him Mm -hmm. when he's playing the lottery, but he's from Cali. So I root for the guy, you know? And when, that guy is now on the Padres and dealing and an all-star and a hundred million dollar man. It's awesome, dude. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool to have that happen. And Like you said, they, they checked him on the mound and I mean, like I've seen the photos, like there's clearly something shiny on his ear and at the same time, like whatever it it's what it is at this point. And I just loved that that was happening and that they were trying to have a scandalous baseball moment at the end of the season. Whatever
1: it was, whether it was sweat, sweat dripping from his hair, whether it's the oil from the massage he got before the game, he didn't touch his ear. Like, he didn't go to his ear. If you look at the game, I could have spider attack all over my nose. If I don't touch my nose, it doesn't matter. So, like, whatever. And I, I get it, man. I've been desperate when I'm losing too, and you, you get upset, and you, you want to blame something, right? And, well, why can't we hit this pitcher? Oh, he's cheating. And it sucks. It sucks that he gets accused of that. But I'm glad they checked him. And what did they come up with? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you check them, you make the whole scene on national television, everyone's watching, you check them, nothing's there, you move on. You can't accuse them of cheating because they checked them.
0: Mm-hmm. It was so funny. It was so funny to have that happen. And not just because, okay, whatever, Joe Musgrove is maybe using spider tack and the buck, Show using like the old school mantra and it's scandalous stuff. Like it's the moment of the weekend that people are going to remember coming out of it other than like... The Mariners having that crazy comeback, but that's not as like flashy as, oh, Buck Showalter accused him of cheating in the middle of a winner-go-home playoff game in which he gave up one hit.
1: And there's two ways Joe could have gone with it. You can either get pissed off and dominate or get rattled. And I think Buck's intention was to rattle him and it pissed him off and he dominated. And he'd been dominating all night. It's not like he randomly turned it on, but, you know, you... He poked the beast, and he kept going. And, I mean, I'm fine with bringing in Suarez and Hader. It's a playoff game. Like, I get it. You want to get those outs? That's a regular season game. Joe's probably going nine. I mean, he could have shut them out for nine. I I don't doubt it. And, again, I don't blame Bob for pulling them. I get it. It's the playoffs. But that Musgrove could have finished that game if he wanted to.
0: Yeah, that game was, like, 98% in the bag by that point. Because, like, by the time they pulled him, it was 6-0. You knew they were going to win. It was weird to have, like, a a relief off my shoulders at the end of that game because it wasn't like oh no are they gonna mess this up somehow it's like nope they got this they're they're cruising you can go to suarez you can go to hater you could go to even tim hill like you're totally gonna be fine at the end
1: or as stressed as i was before friday and especially yesterday on sunday once the games got going it was pretty you know score early score often hits from the top of the lineup the bottom of the lineup good pitching it's like there's no easy win in the playoffs, and I, I never was like, oh, we got this one in the bag, but in both of those games, it felt like, oh, we're not – I never felt like we're going to lose. I never felt like, oh, the Padres are going to lose this one at any point in either of those games. And I never felt like they were going to win until it was over. But on, on Saturday, when they brought in Moray Hohn in the 3-2 game, I went, oh, we're, we're going to lose tonight. That's how I felt, and I never felt that way Friday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's amazing for a playoff game
0: it's so different to have. Cause even the Padres in general, like usually we're in games where, yeah, we'll win some of them, but we don't play meaningful games all that often. So like to have that happen and have that relief off your shoulders is just like what, what uh, for me, it was when Soto got the bit. Well, I guess after, so after Musgrove, it was like a ground out to Myers and he like yelled and ran off the mound. I think that was the last out he pitched like, that moment plus like the next inning Soto having the two run single or the two run double. That's when I was like, okay, we're good. Like they're not going to score six runs. We're not, we're going to the bullpen. We're not going to blow after Soto drove that one. in, that's when like all the relief washed over where I was like, Oh, we're going to play the Dodgers. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, not to completely turn the page, but the Dodgers are really good. There's no denying that. And, anything that happens to October baseball, I'm not going to say the Padres are going to lose the series, but ignoring the outcome of this next series, winning in New York was so important because now all the San Diego fans are going to be able to go to a Padres playoff game for the first time since 06. And that I've never been to a Padres playoff game. I got my tickets for Tuesday, Wednesday in LA, Friday in San Diego. And you bet your, you know what I'll be there if they're in Saturday or any other games, the rest of the way. it means the world that I get to go watch them in person and you get to go watch them. The Padres fans get to go watch them and winning 89 games, getting to New York and losing two out of three to a Mets team is an honorable season. They're a 101 win team, but it's not the same if you don't get to play in front of your home crowd. And Now we do. And that's, that's pretty special.
0: It hasn't happened since 2006. And even when it happened in 2020 and you had the Tatis bat flip and in the middle of the pandemic, everyone was like storming downtown San Diego. It's like, at least now you get to actually be there and see it happen. Because me and you are the same age, man. It was five and six years old. That's our entire memorable lifetime without a playoff game in San Diego. And we're going to get... Even if it's just one, even if it's two, like that's just a freaking fantastic moment. And I'm with you. I, I'm thinking Wednesday in Los Angeles is going to be my one. I'm thinking that's the one I'm going to be able to get to. And that's just going to be so cool. Huh? Are you up in Davis? Uh, I'm over in Sacramento now, but it's basically the four and a half hour day trip. Go to the game Wednesday. My brother lives in LA, so it makes it a little easier. I think
1: one of the coolest things for me too is, you know, we, we were fans of this terrible team for so long, and it was always kind of like, ha you like the Padres, like the silly little Padres. And now there's this collective love of the team, and, you know, I, I don't like going out very much. I'm not a big Bars guy, but last night after the win, I was like, I'll go get a country. you know, and Bars, whatever. And everyone decked in Padres gear. I mean, everybody, and chatting with people from 21 to 35 to 65, just, oh, Musgrove and Machado, and then you hear stories about Tony Gwynn, and it's like, wow, man, like, we're really – Crossing generations talking about a baseball team that's making us proud for the first time in 15, 20 years. And I just love, even yesterday, going around San Diego a little bit, Slam Diego shirts, Tatis jerseys, LFGSD shirts. The people are fired up, and that's awesome. That's what it's all about. You're connecting the city.
0: That happened in the game too cuz they they kept showing on the broadcast Jake Cronenworth taking BP in a Tony Gwynn jersey and that connection because he's from Michigan like there's not a connection there like Tony Gwynn we were children when he retired and went into the Hall of Fame so like it's stories that get passed down from like your parents to your grandparents about what it was in San Diego in the 80s and 90s and now it's a new moment with a totally new city and a totally new team and it's just cool to have regional pride for a team because that's something that doesn't exist in San Diego. It does now? Does now? It does now, and we get to have. I mean, we had it in 2020, but like by the time we got to the Dodgers series, everyone got hurt and we just got smoked out. But like, we get an actual series where we are collectively going to feel like we have we have a team at a moment that's actually going to be worth like investing in for this week like it's going to be so great and i'm taking the perspective of house money at this point like it it, it, it's okay just this is this is once in a lifetime technically by our standards just playing with house money against the dodgers people
1: kept saying all the pressure was on the mets and i agree with them i think it was but whatever you feel about how much pressure is on the mets it's tenfold on the dodgers i mean it is complete house money there is not a single person who's picking the padres to win this series and Obviously, I want the Padres to win it. But, like, objectively speaking, looking at the past nine series, it is unlikely that they win. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. They're complete and total underdogs through and through. But keep sleeping on the pods, man. You saw the way they played the Dodgers the last couple series. Yeah, they lost them both. But they're right there with them. And ten straight series wins, not easy. Nine straight, not easy. The Dodgers are very, very good. I get it. But it's October, dude. It's October, one bounce goes your way. Trent Grisham looks like Barry Bonds. What in the <laughs> world is one? I mean, there's anything can to happen right now. And the pressure is 100% on the Dodgers. And the Padres get to roll in there, play their ball, and people are excited to see him.
0: I, I don't think people truly, like, appreciate the Trent Grisham thing because, like... It, It happens every postseason. Like Manny Pina for the Brewers had two homers the whole season and hit three against the Dodgers. Like shit like it happens, but not like this.
1: Yeah, it happens. There's always like, you know, Peterson and Rosario last year, good players who broke out, went nuts. Mm -hmm. I like Trent Grisham. I root super hard for Trent Grisham. I think he's a great dude. And like, I want him to succeed more than anything. I don't think I've ever seen a player come up to the bat, come up to the plate and be as automatic of a strikeout as he was for the last month and a half. And he struggled all year, but specifically in September. I mean, that dude stepped to the plate, and it was strike one, strike two, strike three, <laughs> next year, If you got to four pitches, it was success- successful at bat. At least he burned one. For him to come into the playoffs, hit two homers of Scherzer and DeGrom, not Anabal Sanchez and Patrick Corbin. Scherzer and DeGrom, massive RBI single last night, tracking balls down in the gap like he's Willie Mays. <laughs> what
0: is... They showed this on the broadcast because Trent Grisham is an amazing like gold glove center fielder, amazing defensive player. He played every day for the Padres. So he batted 500 times this year, which, you know, only like a hundred players in the league bat 500 times out of players who have batted 500 times in a season. Trent Grisham has the second worst batting average ever in the history of baseball. And he hit homers off to Grom and Scherzer within 24 hours of each other.
1: And the talent is there. We always know that. And like, you know, I, I like Zokar, for example. I really like him. I, I, I'm really, you know, grateful he stepped up when we needed him. Big situations. But the talent in terms of home runs is simply not there for Zokar. He doesn't have that tool. So with Grisham, even when he's struggling, it's like, well, he can run into one. And then when he's taking 99 down and away from DeGrom, Oppo, Taco, are you kidding? Are you kidding? And look, I'm not going to expect him to keep this up because no one can keep this up. I wouldn't expect Mike Trout try to do this in the playoffs. But... For him to step up in New York like that, lengthens the lineup a ton. The defense is huge. He's the reason we Padres won that series.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, the same thing happened to me when watching Austin Nola. Because Austin Nola is a below average hitter. He's not like as bad as Grisham, but he's like a below average hitter. And he gets a RBI single. Like Kim walks, steals a base, RBI single, then Nola drives in. I'm just like... This is weird because, like, the only thing I say about Nola is like, oh, man, imagine if we had Andres Munoz and Ty France instead of him. But then he hits this RBI single. I'm like, dang, I kind of am loving Austin Nola right now because he went like 400 batting average in the series, like drew a couple walks, threw a guy out. Like, it's so weird that that happened and you know, power to them because they beat the Mets, and the Mets didn't show up. But it's just so weird that it was those three guys who, like all season, had been seven, eight, and nine, and a dead spot in the order. And then all of a sudden, they're just driving in runs and drawing walks, and it's just crazy.
1: I mean, look at the four guys who had RBIs last night. Two two and three hitters: Soto had a two-run single. Machado had the RBI single. And your eight and nine hitters: Nola had the two-run single. Christian had the RBI single. If you are driving in runs. From two, three, and eight, nine in the order,
0: you're gonna win every game you play. Mm-hmm. Even if your pitcher basically throws a no-hitter in the winner-go-home playoff game, like you're gonna win every single time. And Kim scored like four runs in the series. Like people who don't know, Hasan Kim's like a fine player, and like people love him. He's like he's another like good defensive player, average MLB hitter, and he sco- He drew like four walks and scored five runs in the series. It was so weird. To watch that happen for the Padres. And Profar hit a three-run homer. To which I say, A.J. Preller's undying loyalty to Jerks and Profar did pay dividends at the end there.
1: I love A.J. Preller. I'm such a big A.J. Preller guy. I'm so happy for A.J. Preller. I just, I want him to, I want him to be here for this team's success because he has made this team interesting. Whatever you want to say about his track record, obviously the NOLA trade wasn't great there are a few that aren't fantastic, but guy has made it very, very interesting every year. And there's never like, Oh, the Padres are going to be boring now. No, it's a fun team to root for, no matter what, no matter what happens on the field.
0: And I love Even it. the last three years, like this is kind of the culmination of three. I mean, the Tatis bat flip against the Cardinals was, was like the cool moment like that, but like culmination of like three to four years of like just chaos for the Padres ending with this team is, Like this is the end result, but the whole process was interesting. And part of that was just Preller did crazy shit, like trading for Juan Soto in the middle of the season. But like, it it was always interesting along the way. You can't say they weren't interesting as like just rooting for the Padres and, you know, watching way too many baseball games (laughs) during the regular season.
1: I catch myself once a day that Juan Soto's on the Padres. It just blows my mind. And he hasn't even fully been Juan Soto. You know, he's walking a lot and he's had some good moments recently. But just him being in the lineup for Machado, like look at Machado's numbers in July versus August and September when they traded for Soto. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Soto is such a threat that you get through Soto and Machado. And game one, let's look at game one. Profar has that bloop single on the first pitch. Scherzer's locked in on Soto and Machado. Gets them both, punch out. Like good pitches, you know, those are two of the best hitters in the league. Got them. Now you're three and one on Josh Bell. You just got the two hardest hitters in the order. Not that you're going easy on Bell, but you kind of mentally take a little bit of a deeper breath. Maybe you can get him over with a fastball. Throw the outside fastball. Bell takes it 415 feet deep the other way. That's what Soto and Machado do. It's this mental exhaustion of having to go through them every single time you get to the top of the order that lets the bottom of the order thrive. Oh, Trent Grisham's an easy out. Here's a fastball. Bam! Homer. Trent Grisham, we can still get him because we're worried about Soto and Machado. We don't want to walk him. Dotto, low and away. Bam! Homer. That's what Soto and Machado do, no matter what they do with their at bats.
0: They bunted with Juan Soto in game three. They bunted with Juan Soto. And it wasn't like trying to get on base bunt. It was sacrifice bunt with Juan Soto.
1: I don't know if that was the Bob Melvin call. A part of me thinks he was trying to bunt for a hit, and it just wasn't a great bunt for a hit. And it was a good sacrifice, and that is what it is. But, you know, I'm not normally a huge fan of bunting, but in the playoffs, when you need every single run, and it caught him by surprise, obviously, I didn't see that coming. And then Manny lines the next pitch in a right. It's like, dude, if you can, if you can promise me that you get the guy to second and he scores in the next out of do it every single time.
0: Yeah. That's one of those where I'm like bad process, good results. Cause like, yeah, the sacrifice bunt was literally the reason why they drove in one of those runs in game three. But at the same time, I'm like Juan Soto, even if you bunt with him, you're giving away the out. There's a, he's not going to strike out. So I guess you're avoiding the double play situation, but like, Juan Soto is really good at taking pitches. Like you're going to be okay. Just let him, let him swing the bat, even if he flies out. But again, results ended up working out. So that sack bunt was exactly what they needed. Cause Manny hit a gapper on the very next pitch.
1: And, and they were, I think they were up three nothing at that point. Yeah. Like,
0: uh, they were yeah. That was the fourth run.
1: So, you know, that's a good situation for it. If you're down three, nothing, hate it. If it's one, one, hate it, but you're up three, nothing. You want that fourth run, put them in the verge of slam range. I'm good with it and it, it worked. worked
0: and it worked. That was so cool. The the whole game yesterday was cool because you just got to like enjoy it for the most part. It was because the very beginning of the game they took the lead. They took the lead like right I think it was the second inning, right? They scored um what what were the first two runs? I'm trying to remember was now. So can, the with the Yep, running. that's that's right. Yep, the two runs in the second inning and from that point on you just could kind of like let go a little bit. Obviously it's Musgrove and like you're, he's pitching really well, but like, once you have that little bit of a cushion, it's not the stress inducer that like it was for the Mets trying to crawl back the entire series. Cause they were already facing elimination game two. And then in game three, they just had no chance. Like it's just a little bit of a relief.
1: And that, I mean, what was really nice about yesterday is they scored early, but also often it's not like they put up six and then just cruise the rest of the way. They had a mm-hmm. one, two, three inning in the first that was ugly. It was like I think eight pitches in the first inning. It was bad. Then they you know start working counts a little bit in the second. They get a couple walks. There's the base hit by Bell. Walks are huge in the playoffs. Walks score runs, man. Walks are why you lose games, win games. And they get the two walks to load the bases for Nola. He barely fouls off that slider. Barely. I mean, off the very very end of the bat, and get you know grounds the single in the left, and that puts you up to nothing. But I I almost prefer the two runs there one in the fourth, one in the sixth, two in the eighth, as opposed to, I don't know if that was exactly right, but something like that.
0: Yeah, it was basically that.
1: The You know, seven in the first, okay, bat shut down. I like every inning, there was pressure. You're constantly reminding them, even if you score, we're going to come right back at you.
0: This is great. And now we got the Dodgers, which is perfect. Like it could, it would have been cool if we played the Braves, like whatever ends up working out there, but the fact that it's the Dodgers, the fact that you have that, it's going to be prime time every game for the series. I mean, there's some division rivals, like the Mariners play the Astros, but like that game's not really, that series isn't really going to be like prime time. Baseball is going to try and put that forward. They're They're going to push the Padres and Dodgers forward. I'm super excited for that to happen.
1: I am too. And you know, there's, Obviously, the way to look at it where, oh, losing to the Dodgers would suck, and you're right, it would be doubly painful, but winning would be that much more glorious. And, you know, my my favorite team every postseason is whoever's playing the Dodgers, and it just so happens to be that my favorite team is also my favorite team right now. So I would love (laughs) nothing more nothing more than to be able to knock them out after 111 wins and all the trash that they talk and all the series that they win. None of it matters right now. None of it. Don't care. This is it. This is why you play.
0: This is the thing I used to care about so much as a kid. And I've kind of like divested a bit as I've like become a healthier human being from that. But I used to just just let the Padres win a championship before the Dodgers. Just, just let them get the chance to one day play the Dodgers in the playoffs. Cause like, I'm not like, even when we thought they were going to get Max Scherzer a year ago or so, I'm like adding Max Scherzer doesn't make them better than the Dodgers. It makes them closer to the Dodgers, but it doesn't make them that they're just a total juggernaut who has switched their entire team from 2018 to now. And is even better somehow. Like the Dodgers are that it's, it's, unprecedented across sports history and the landscape of sports. But at the same time, like it's baseball, it's weird. And we can beat them because that's the thing that I used to just care about so much. It's like, just give us a chance. Like if we, if we lose like 2020, if we lose to them, like checkmate, fine. We got a chance. I know everyone got hurt at the end for the Padres, but like checkmate, you got us, whatever, like just give us a chance to compete and it will be so much fun. Cause again, San Diego's like, the only the only thing we have against the, the Los Angeles is the Dodgers in terms of sports competition.
1: And I don't want to go too much into 2023 because I'm so focused on the playoffs right now. But yeah, I do think the two, three, four in the batting order of Tatis Soto Machado compares to Betts Freeman and Turner and Freeman or Turner might be gone next year. So mm-hmm. I don't think the Padres are as far off as they have been next year. I still think they're a ways away this year, yeah. but in a five game set. None of that matters. None of that matters. None of it. You get a couple bloop singles and a walk and up one nothing. And Musgrove, Snell, Darvish, Clev, all of them can shut out the Dodgers. It can happen because it has happened. Mm-hmm. Is it likely? That's up to you. But.
0: <laughs> I'll say it's not likely but like it's baseball bullshit happens all the time in the playoffs so Trent Grisham just hit home runs off Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer bullshit happens all the time in the playoffs it's totally random
1: point, man. like we've already faced the best pitchers like I know the Dodgers have a bunch of good arms and you know, that bullpen is never ending I get it but just want a series where you have to face Max Scherzer Jacob DeGrom and Edwin Diaz and good pitching you know mm-hmm. and they beat them and who's going to be better than that
0: I I mean, even if the Dodgers have good pitching and they can, I mean, the Dodgers score, by the way, I'll ask you about this. The Dodgers lineup is so weird because I thought it was strange when they went with the strategy of Gallo, Bellinger and Muncie all in the same lineup because they're all the the big swing guys. And they're not, it's not like they break up the, the Betts, Turner, Freeman thing. Like they're, they're sometimes back to back to back in the order, but it works. I don't know why it works, but it works. And, and that's going to be interesting.
1: This this is a quote. That was going to bite me in the ass, but their lineup outside of those top four, beyond Will Smith, here's that good. I don't understand how they score that many runs, but like Bellinger had a year on par with Grisham, basically. Yeah, and Gallo strikes out a ton. Muncie, I don't care about bad average too much, but like a two hundred batting average. Come on. And if you can navigate through those top four, which is incredibly difficult, I mean those are. Four of the best hitters in the league, especially the top three. You can navigate through there and limit the damage on the bottom half, score a couple runs. It's winnable. It's
0: winnable. It's totally winnable. But that every playoff baseball series. Well, no, the I should say that. the uh, Astros are gonna kill the Mariners, but most playoff series are winnable.
1: I'm sure, I'm sure there's a Mariners fan saying the Padres gonna get killed by the Dodgers.
0: Oh, totally fair. I'm sure there's people who think if you had to pick one series, who's going to win, but they're just doing that based on principle of the Dodgers. Like, And I guess I'm doing that off principle of the Astros are always the Astros and they're like the nineties Yankees reincarnated, but like I'm I'm doing principle on that. So I'm kind of making the same joke that everyone else is. It's just respect for the Dodgers and Astros. And they've been there
1: and done it. And I get it. They're both really good,
0: but I think it happened. Yeah. Playoff baseball is weird like that. And you're going to be there. I'm thinking I'm going to be there for at least one of the games so I can get that moment. Ugh, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun to have. I mean, basically Dodgers week, but all the stakes that add Because like something that's weird that people don't realize about San Diego, San Diego can make up stakes for the Dodgers games in the regular season. Like we can pretend like it matters and get excited about it. Now that you add actual stakes to it, it's just going to be a whole nother level.
1: Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. I'm really excited that I get to go, uh, You know that I'm in a spot where I get to go. And I just, I want to tell six-year-old me how I'm happy, how cool this is.
0: All, all those rooting for Alexi Amarista and Chris Norfia and Jason Markey and Kevin Kuzmanoff and Nick Hundley. And God, I can name way too many 2010s Padres teams. And now we've got it one more shot.
1: Every name you just listed, I can tell you a memory I have of watching them. I mean, I hours and hours and hours and hours, and I'm glad. I mean, it makes it makes it all all that much better now. I enjoy this more because of all of that.
0: I think so too, and, and I guess I've decided as I've gotten older that it's not worth it with sports fandoms, but because I did it as a kid with the Padres, I'm like, I've already put in the hours of labor to invest, so I might as well just keep rolling with it and <laughs> just... It, it, it's a connection to San Diego and it's a connection to all those terrible, terrible Padres teams. I grew up rooting for That will make whatever they, I mean, they've already won in my book, but whatever they win, like, like win, win, then it'll make it all the more sweeter.
1: I say this all the time, but when the Padres do eventually win the world series and they will, at some point, yeah. everyone's going to be out partying on the gas lamp and going nuts and have the parade and celebrating. And that is awesome. I love that. It's so cool. And I'm, I can't wait to be able to share that with everybody. And externally, if you're just objectively looking at everyone, Joe Schmo is having as much fun as I am, right? But internally, it'll always mean more to me and you because we watched all those hours and all those terrible teams. And no matter what it looks like, it'll mean more. And that's, that's why I was, you know, I, would, I wouldn't trade being a Padres fan for anything. It's awesome. All the losses are worth it because you're here now. It's that much more glorious.
0: It's totally worth it because you get the highs and now I've just subtracted more of the lows, but it wasn't even low in the moment. Like we had so much fun watching those teams, even if they weren't producing results because it was a major league baseball team.
1: I'm excited, man. I'm really pumped. I'm getting texts right now about going to the games and whatnot it's
0: gonna be awesome i hope you enjoy san diego that one's gonna be rocking i'm i'm not gonna make it unless they make a deep ass playoff run but if if not enjoy the games in san diego uh maybe we'll link up in los angeles i'm still figuring out which game i'm gonna be able to get to but it's gonna be so cool to watch the padres play the dodgers in san diego at petco
1: Go. go pods huh
0: King of Padres Twitter, Ryan Cohen joins us on the show as always. Thank you.